Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Stephanie Everett. And I'm Zach Glazer. And this is episode 339 of The Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, Stephanie is talking with Lab Legacy member Eric Pelton on branding your firm and potential acquisitions. Today's podcast is brought to you by Clio, Postali, Rankings.io, and Text Expander. We wouldn't be able to do the show without their support, so stay tuned because we're going to tell you more about them later on. So, Zach, I thought today we'd have some fun because I was just sharing with you that my husband and I kind of snuck away the other night and we went to the casino for the first time in a really long time because of the pandemic, because our daughter's at sleepaway camp mm. and we could. Yeah. And I think that's what you and I kind of concluded. Sometimes adults and spouses and people need to do things because they can. Actually, my father calls doing that, he calls that fishing when he goes to the, the casino or whatever. And, and I think that's a good indicator of what it is. It's a thing you're doing to relax, to, to blow off steam, to take some time for yourself and, and not think about anything other than what you're doing. Yeah. Like I sat at a poker table for seven hours and honestly, like it was kind of silly. <laughs> we didn't even eat dinner. Yeah. And when we finally wrapped up, all the restaurants had sort of closed and we found ourselves in a convenience store across the street from the casino buying Lunchables and I don't even know what peanuts <laughs> we can make a dinner out of. I know it was hysterical and we were just laughing at ourselves and just like so silly, but also like so fun. And it yeah. had been such a long time before we just kind of gave ourselves permission to be silly and we just had the best time. And you're right, like sitting at a poker table for seven hours, I was not thinking about work or mm -hmm the dishes or my 401k or anything else important in life. <laughs> exactly. And, and you can do it with running. You can do it with canoeing. You can do it with, with plenty of things. But you've got to kind of reset that part of your brain. You're being a lawyer all day and you're thinking about things in the way that we were taught to think about them in law school. I think that it piles up this logical side of your brain and it weighs it. And you're kind of tipping over. You need to go do something that opens up or provides weight to the other side of your brain and lets you kind of relax. Yeah. And it re-energizes you and it does allow you to then tap into the work brain. I have mm -hmm. had the most productive week at work. Yesterday, I actually had this moment where I was like, what should I do next? Because I couldn't believe how many things I actually got done. Mm -hmm. I probably didn't put all that together until just sitting here talking to you. But it's probably a result of it, like being able to have that relaxed brain and then approach my work with this new light for sure. And you just took a vacation mm -hmm. and got away and got to see some family. And I'm sure you're feeling recharged. I am. It was nice. I sat on the beach and didn't do anything. It was very nice and didn't think about what I need to be doing next or where we need to be going. My family and I take vacations and we just recharge. We just kind of sit there and enjoy each other's company, but we're not running around to six different places all day. We learned a lot about ourselves during the pandemic for mm -hmm. sure. And I know I heard a lot of people say that they slowed down and mm -hmm. they weren't always just going their schedule. I actually had to buy a calendar recently because 
<laughs> I realized that I didn't have one for the year. And I was like, oh, I need to be able to put things on the calendar and keep up with our plans. Oh, man, I think I probably need to do that when I get home. It's been kind of fun. Like, oh, we actually have things to put on the calendar. We're doing things again. I, I guess maybe part of the words of caution here is, but we don't want to go back to where we're so overscheduled and right. we have so many things and we're running around so much. We kind of lose that. There was some nice pieces of the pandemic where you, when you couldn't go anywhere mm -hmm. where we just sat in the backyard and enjoyed each other's company and had that kind of also relaxed time. And, and there's a balance there. There's a difference between taking some time off and recharging and taking some time off and going and doing something that is active and going and doing something that still requires you to be in that same mode. You go backpack through Europe and you're all day trying to figure out where you're going next, what you're doing. And that's can be a stressful sort of thing as well. Kind of taking a step back, whether it's a staycation and sitting in your backyard for a little bit or taking a couple of walks down the street or going in the mountains and not doing anything. Those are the type of things to me that recharge me. I love that. I've been writing a lot lately to our insiders about saying no mm -hmm. and prioritizing. It's so easy to just get that overscheduled. And maybe part of this and, and part of the big takeaway for folks listening, one of the things that I wrote that I've really been thinking about is, does your schedule line up with your values? Mm. If you say, I love to travel, but you're not setting aside time to go on a real vacation and travel, are you really living up to your values? If you say that you want to be healthy, but there's no time on your calendar to actually go exercise every day or prepare meals that make you feel good, then those things are out of balance. Mm -hmm. Maybe part of the takeaway here is to take a fresh look at your calendar. And I think it's important to not only schedule business stuff, it's probably pretty easy for us. We know we put trials on our calendar, mm -hmm. our big, big deals on our calendar, but where on your calendar is sometimes set aside to improve your business and to be healthy or to be with your family or to nurture relationships or whatever it is that you say is important to you. And I think you should schedule out your personal stuff, too, mm -hmm. because that's the only way you're going to put that intention to it. My mother actually schedules to be unscheduled. And it sounds ridiculous, but we all do that. If we're not putting something on the calendar, we're all doing it anyway. She just blocks out that time of, I don't know exactly what's going to happen here. If you think, oh, well, I can't schedule that tightly. I can't schedule all my, my stuff in there. You can, but you can just schedule to be unscheduled. And, and that's fine. It. So there you go. That's a great place to, to wrap up schedule to be unscheduled. So now we'll have Zach's conversation with Cleo and then my conversation with Eric. Hey, y'all. It's Zach, the legal tech advisor here at Lawyerist. And today I have Joshua Lennon with me, the lawyer in residence at Clio. And we're talking about summer vacation and why small to medium-sized law firms owners should be taking them. Joshua, thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Zach. It's great to be here. Earlier in this episode, Steffi and I were talking about the need to take some time for yourself. And Clio has done some real thinking on this. You guys have really kind of dug into the why and the how. Of, of summer vacation. So let's start there. Why do lawyers need to take a summer vacation? Well, thanks to the long working hours, highly competitive and the high stakes nature of legal work, and frankly, some unhealthy coping mechanisms, 
lawyers have one of the most stressful prof- uh, professions. There's just no denying. You just work mm-hmm. long hours at high stress. And when you're a solo or small business owner, you throw in the concerns about running the business on top of the legal work. And it makes for a very difficult situation for a lot of people's mental health. In fact, we know from ALM's recent mental health and substance abuse survey that 64% of legal professionals report having anxiety. And then we've thrown a pandemic on top of that, a a complete change (laughs) in the way that people work and interact. Courthouses are closed. Now they're open. You have all these additional safety protocols that go with that. That same survey tells us that 70% of legal professionals reported that the pandemic adversely affected their mental health. We've had stress upon stress upon stress. And that's why lawyers need to take a summer vacation. Because in addition to reducing stress, vacations have been shown to improve mental health and well-being, boost mental ability and creativity. You'll be helping your clients by taking some time off. And it just Mm -hmm. makes you feel more calm and rejuvenative. It's a step towards sustainability in the practice of law Mm -hmm. that I don't Mm -hmm. think a lot of lawyers consider when they think about vacation. Well, we went to law school and we knew what we were getting into. We feel like, well, we worked long hours in law school. We work long hours getting out. I think some of us think, well, this is what we got into. And that's not the way to think about this. When people do go on that summer vacation or or whatever time period they can do, what should they be considering when taking that vacation? So I think there are a couple of things that lawyers should consider. Just like everyone, they should take pandemic safety into account. So get vaccinated. I'm a strong believer that everybody who is eligible for vaccination should have them. Uh, mm-hmm. But also make sure that you're continuing mask wearing and social distancing where appropriate, uh, that you're taking the concerns of immunocompromised and kids into account when planning your summer vacation, mm-hmm. people who can't get vaccinated. Uh, and right. definitely follow the safe travel tips from, say, airlines and the CDC. But in addition mm-hmm. to all of that, things that everybody has to consider, There's picking the right time. Interestingly, Clio's legal trends data show that traditionally in the summer, there's a decrease in both new clients coming on board the law firm and billable hour time. It shows us that things just slow down. So it's a good time for you to pick the right time. Judges are going on vacation. Time your vacation when the judge goes on vacation, right? Then in addition to that, decide how connected you want to be while you're away. Are you able to hand off work and know that it'll be covered by, say, a locum? Or do you mm-hmm. need to keep kind of your hand on, on the hand on the rudder? And finally, and this sounds uh, a bit more morbid than it is, but make sure you have a succession plan. For solo and small law firms, there's actually an ethical duty to have one of these. But all mm-hmm. it really means is you've got backup and a really simple method for your backup to step in and help you out if there's a need. I, I think my father's succession plan for years was me. Zach will do it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you've got access to everything, that's not a bad plan. Right? It, yeah, it, it wasn't a joke plan. That was the, the way it was. But I mean, it can be that simple, really. Yeah. Well, so beyond that, what can lawyers do to reduce stress before, during, and after vacation? I've gone on stressful vacations before. <laughs> I think there are a couple things that you can be doing now, even if you don't have a vacation plan. And the first is just kind of automate your law firm so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that work can be done easily or that the people who are doing the work on your behalf can do so in a way that it's being done competently and right. using templates, for example, or having a, a unified platform where everybody can collaborate together. 
will make it easy for you to, to put things on the right track even before you go on vacation. Then right. the next thing is make sure you can run your law firm from anywhere. If anything, 2020 and 2021 have told us is that location both doesn't matter and does at the same time, weirdly. It's great to be working out of your office. But if you can't or if you don't want to, make sure you have the ability to still work. Cloud-based mm-hmm. legal software has become the backbone of lawyers working mm-hmm. remotely. And remote can also include a vacation. So don't worry about that. And then there are a couple, I think, just practical things you can be doing along the way during the vacation. Let staff and clients know if you'll be available at certain times and how to get a hold of you in case of an emergency. But also let your staff know that they can field a lot of these calls and help determine emergencies. Mm -hmm. So I I need to know when my hearing date is. Oh, I can look that up for you. It's not an emergency. But, oh my gosh the hypothetical spouse has taken the kids across state lines without permission. What do I do? That might be an emergency. And your staff will have the ability to contact you. Arrange for another lawyer, a locum to cover while you're away. In Clio, you can easily share a matter with co-counsel for free. And they have access to your notes. They have access to the appropriate documents. They can even bill time on your behalf uh, in your Clio account without them having to have their own Clio account. So it's a great way to get coverage on open cases without like giving the keys to your law office away. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And make sure you spend a few minutes on your inbox going through the mountains of email and making sure that you let people know appropriately when you're not available. You set your out of office reply. That's appropriate. Mm-hmm. That way everything can kind of tie together and you're not facing that deluge of emails when you come back. In fact, <laughs> you can do like, add-ins with Office 365. It'll help you just kind of sort through this and file it automatically. Like Clio's Outlook add-in will just grab whole threads of email and put it into your case files. So mm-hmm. you can come back and find them later if you need to. And that helps you uh, connect with the rest of your team and, mm-hmm. and staff. And, and I think a lot of that is knowing that things are being taken care of. When you're turned off, you can turn off. We've got all this information. What's Clio doing to help lawyers get a vacation this summer? So we want to actually both help lawyers get organized so they can take vacations and remove a little bit of fiscal stress on the vacation itself. Mm -hmm. So for a limited time, we've got an offer for new customers where they can get three free months with any annual plan. So new subscribers come, sign up for, for any plan price or any plan offering at Clio and get three free months. It's valid for all of our customers in North America and in Europe. And we just hope people come and try it. We've also got an offer for existing customers. We don't want to leave them out. And we're calling it Clio's Summer Fun, duh, with a D at the end. <laughs> uh, and basically, for every referral you send our way that purchases Clio, we'll send you a $150 Visa gift card so that you can okay. you know, close your summer out in style. Uh, one note, the program's only running until August 16th. So get those referrals in so you can have a great Labor Day weekend on us. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think by the time this episode airs, that's going to be a little over two weeks to get those referrals in. Well, Joshua, as always, thank you for being with us. This is a, a wealth of information. I, I would probably replay this again <laughs> just to make sure we, we got all of it. And thanks for being with me. And we appreciate uh, you guys being on every time. We love all the work the lawyers does. So thanks for having me. So in full disclosure, you are part of our Lawyerist Lab community, and in fact, even more so part of our new Lab Legacy community, which I don't even think we've actually really talked about publicly, (laughs) because probably people are listening saying, 
no idea what you're talking about, Stephanie. Maybe for people who've been through our lab program have figured out most things, not that you guys would ever admit to having anything figured out. We have another group, sort of the graduate program of where business owners go to connect and discuss ongoing issues and, and the next level issues. So all that's to say, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you here. Well, thanks. And I by no means have figured everything out. In fact, I was recently telling you that I'm still learning new things and adapting all the time. I mean, that's part of it. But everyone's so hard on themselves. Every time I invite someone on the show, they're like, I don't have it figured out. And I'm like, but you have a lot of it figured out. And it's always going to be an iterative process. I mean, I feel like if you've gotten to a point where you think you've done it all, then maybe you've, I don't know, maybe that's like a failure point. There's always room to grow and learn and improve. Well, yeah, I would never be satisfied or happy being static. Growth and change is valuable. And the journey, the journey is where the fun is and where the learning and the exploration and meeting fun people along the way that through lawyerist and other places. One of the things I want to talk about with you today, especially is this idea of brand. And I think it's kind of a fun, you're like a double expert because on the one hand, you do such an amazing job with the branding for your law firm, but also your law firm exists to help business owners protect their brand. We're super honored to have you here. And maybe just to kind of kick off the conversation, what is a brand or, or branding? And, and let's just start with that. Well, first, thanks for noticing my branding. I do like to at least try to practice what I preach. And it's astonishing the number of even intellectual property lawyers who are out there who don't have great brands or haven't taken steps to create their brands. But that's another story for another day. So when we talk about a brand, it's, of course, the name and the logo are critical elements of it. But for law firms, the name and the logo are often somewhat limited and, and boring. My, my firm is Eric M. Belton and Associates, not a terribly creative uh, or inspirational name. But the brand is the whole package that goes into the presentation of what it is that we're connecting with our clients and with our customers. And it's really that connection that defines the brand. It's graphics, it's values, it's our customer service and our relationships that we form with clients and with employees and on our team. And all of that impacts the brand. When you think about brands in your life that stand out and make a difference, an easy example that many people point to is Apple. And that's because when you go into Apple store, it feels like a special place. There's great service, the genius bar, the look, the layout is unique. All of those things are done very purposefully and very well. And same thing when you open the packaging for an Apple product, right? No doubt took them more time and more money to do it, but it makes an impression. It's, that's all part of that branding package. I love getting my new iPhone because it's it feels special to open the box. And that's really hard to describe to someone. But that is what they've done so well with their packaging. And I have noticed just in the last year or so that a lot of other companies are finally catching up and noticing that those little details in the presentation, because the presentation, actually, you told me a story a couple of years ago about receiving your season tickets for the soccer team. 
And that stuck with me. I don't remember exactly what the details were, but they send you a really special invitation in the mail that obviously cost them more money than just sending you paper tickets. And it made an impact with you. You were, you were like so excited about it. And that's the kind of thing that really sparks a brand connection. Yeah. So just for those of you who don't live in Atlanta and get season tickets to Atlanta United, but you should. And if you come to town, call me. I'll take you to a match. They did this amazing thing one year and each year it's something different. But the year that I think they really hit it was they sent our season tickets, which are really now lanyards, which is a whole nother story in this box. It was, of course, all branded with the team colors and logo and everything. But when you opened the box, it started, had a speaker and it started the chance because when you go to a soccer match, there's like team chants and things that people in the crowd say. It started going Atlanta United, but it was the crowd sound from a match coming across the speaker. So imagine opening a box and then hearing that. And I've, I think there's some singers out there that have done something similar with concert tickets and things. So, you know, you just got excited about going to a match just by opening this box. Perfect. Because it's about an experience. It's not just about a tangible ticket or thing. I mean, with everything you're saying, it's so important because I think it's so easy for us to think of brand or branding and just go logo. Like the image that somebody sees, maybe the visual images that someone sees when they see our law firm. And what I'm hearing from you is, no, it's so much larger than that and encompassing your reputation and the connection and the experience and all the different touch points that you have with a client. In a way, it's exciting but challenging because then how do you pull all that together so that it is like a consistent feel and message on behalf of your client? I mean, that's the challenge. Full disclosure, I have represented and represent lawyerists in protecting their logo and trademarks, but it actually serves as a nice example here with all information that's publicly available, of course, that lawyerist underwent a logo upgrade six months or a year ago. And that was a conscious decision. And obviously the new logo may convey a slightly different impression. And those elements, your slogans, and your logo and your colors and your design can convey a lot of things about the message that you're trying to establish with your potential customers and with your actual customers. Whether are you tried and true or are you new and fresh? Are you super expensive, high end, or are you budget on purpose to help save people money? All of those types of things can be conveyed through those subtle branded messages. What does that process look like if you're an attorney and kind of just approaching this idea, are those the kind of questions that you should be asking yourself to sort of figure out where you, how you want to be known? Absolutely. I think it should be purposeful. And I think that I personally, and having worked with tons of businesses and many law firms and legal businesses, think that expressing some personality, something about what you are or your law firm's values are that's unique and sets you apart is tremendously valuable. Sometimes, especially as lawyers, we might have a inclination to try to be conservative and fit in with everything else and not want to rock the boat. But I think especially today with the way that we market online and the constant volume that everybody's bombarded with in terms of brands and advertising and the amount of competition that 
your potential clients are likely to see. So my brand tied around sunflowers and making trademarks bloom since 1999 is the slogan. We sort of came up with that and then we've really run with it and expanded it more and more over the last 10 years or so. And it's really wonderful because it creates lots of great analogies and stories for plants and flowers and growth and blooming and blossoming and brands. And it helps set us apart. It's it's creative. It's artsy. It helps convey immediately, I think, we're not a stuffy downtown law firm with a big fancy marble. Uh, I was about to comment on that before you kind of, because to your credit, your brand is so distinctive and and memorable. I'd encourage anyone to go to Eric's website. I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes and he can tell us the exact URL. But as soon as you go there, these images of sunflowers stand out. And in fact, you've done such a great job. Like, I don't think I've ever interacted with you or your firm, quite frankly, without seeing those sunflowers. Even now, as we're recording this on a Zoom call, I um, can see you and below your face is uh, your logo. You've got like a sunflower with a line and then your name of the firm superimposed on there, which is really cool. And then it carries through in everything you do. I, I love it so much. And you were so kind a couple of years ago to send me what I think you normally give to your clients, which is a packet of sunflower seeds. It was a nicely packaged and it had your sunflowers and your logo and everything on it. And I was like, this is so great. And I, I told you before we hit record, Anytime I see sunflowers now, I think of you because it, that's just the connection that I, that happens in my head. Well, I'd much appreciated. I'm glad you enjoyed the sunflowers. I actually just this morning came upon sort of by accident a um, great way to sort of test what others see about your brand. And that is put your name or your law firm name or your business name into Google and then do the image search. Of course, the first few are probably going to be photo related, but hopefully if you do some marketing and branding, you're also going to have social media posts and other graphics and images and documents. And if you look at the first 20, 30 results that come up there and it makes a nice mosaic on your browser, is there some cohesiveness there? Do the colors and the design really match? And then are they saying something? But the first thing is really is like, are they cohesive? And I guess it's a chicken and egg because you want them to say something, but you also then want to use it cohesively. And that's where having a style guide, which is something that I admit I myself did not have for many, many years. We were a very small business. We knew where the logo files were and I never really thought about it. But then in working more and more with businesses, it and we made some sort of refresh to some of the branding materials. We said, let's put this in a style guide. And it's a perfect exercise because it makes you think about, okay, what are the colors we want to use? How do we want to place the logo? What fonts do we prefer so that there's some cohesiveness to all these things? Absolutely. I look at our style guide at least weekly. Most of it's kind of now saved where it needs to be. But for sure, I sometimes I'll get stuck or I'll need the actual little code for the color because I want to make sure I'm using the right color of coral in our new um, branding. But it's interesting to think about like how your stories can change over time. And maybe that's when you do a brand refresh. If you're listening to this and thinking, well, I've kind of had the same thing for a long time, 
if it's working for you, then great, stick with it. But sometimes you have an opportunity to step back and refresh and elevate. And we'd like to think that's what we did when we rebranded last year. It was like, okay, we had like black, white, red, really harsh, this typewriter font that, I mean, it definitely conveyed a thing. And then maybe had images of Sam's punk rockness skater person. And we were like, okay, maybe we can also be appealable to a broader audience. We softened. We went from red to a coral and from black to a blue. So there were subtle changes, but it felt great. And now sometimes when I look at those old images, it stands out. But now I'm like, oh, I like what we're doing now. I think the most important thing, and you'd probably agree with this too, is that it does need to be authentic to you. You don't try to be something you're not. Exactly. That's why I, I touched on briefly saying, I think personality is good. I think some expression of your hobbies or again, what makes you unique? What values do you bring to the table? Maybe it's uh, a favorite service project or charitable cause that you're involved in supporting. Like that's a great thing to tie into things talking about your business and your branding and then tie it all together. I love to ride bikes. So I have some goofy pictures on my website of me riding a bike in a blazer, which I would obviously not really ever do. But it conveys that message of like, yeah, I like to ride bikes and exercise. And that's part of who I am. I'm not trying to hide who I am. I'm not trying to be the most bland version of myself ever. So I don't offend any potential clients. I think that by being yourself, it makes it that much easier to attract clients mm. who want to come to you. And that would go into an, another thing, talking about all this branding and marketing and acquiring clients that I wanted to mention is the power of video. I've been doing videos for many years, but I've kind of stepped it up during the pandemic to doing even more. And it's number one, they're not only powerful just for content and search engines and a lot of people don't realize that YouTube is the number two search engine in the world after Google, at least the last time I saw those rankings. But they also put some of your personality out there and they put your voice and your face out there. And probably the most frequent comment that I get from people who cold call me is, I saw your videos. They already feel like they know a little bit about me. We already have a connection, even though I haven't been talking individually to them, speaking individually to them, we already have a little bit of a connection. They know a little bit about my personality and things. I, I find that that's been tremendous for building client relationships. Awesome. I definitely want to pick your brain on that and get into some specifics. And I think too, with what you're saying, I mean, yes, yes, yes. It all rings so true. And I think by putting your personality out there and having those pictures of bicycles and sunflowers and all the things you have, it probably gives people a way to connect with you, right? Like people want connection points. So instead of it being really boring and being like, okay, I'm nervous and I have to call this lawyer. Instead, they're going to be like, hey, I saw that bicycle on your website. Or I know one of my friends um, told me that more people talk about the picture of her dog on her website than anything else when they call her because they're like, oh, I have a dog. That's a connection because people are looking to connect. So that's even more reason why you should infuse your personality. So let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to dive into video more because that's super important. Support for today's episode comes from Rankings.io, a search engine optimization agency working exclusively for personal injury law firms. Simply put, Rankings.io helps personal injury law firms dominate first page rankings. 
You'll never have to chase them for an update or hunt them down for an answer. Your clients expect you to be accessible, and rankings will meet that standard for communication and transparency. You'll have a full team of SEO specialists fighting to put you at the top of the Google search results. Personal Injury Lawyer SEO is all they do, so all of their processes, playbooks, and people are completely focused on generating qualified cases for your firm. Best of all, you'll be one of an elite few. Delivering exceptional service and results requires focus, so Rankings.io carefully vets clients before accepting them. They're an ideal fit for growth-oriented personal injury law firms. To see if you're a fit, visit Rankings.io for... It's hard to keep up with trends when you're rushing to court and helping clients, but new cases hinge on topping the results page. You need a marketing partner to keep you informed and your firm growing. That partner is Postali. And you should know about Google Local Service Ads. LSAs connect you with folks searching for nearby legal services. LSAs show up at the top of the page, higher than maps and other listings. And the best part, you only pay if you're contacted through the ad. Appearing when somebody searches for lawyers near me has never been easier or more affordable, letting you focus on the law. LSAs are a great addition to existing PPC efforts or a standalone initiative. Quickly initiated by the Postali team, LSAs and a partnership with Postali can get your firm where it belongs. To learn more about LSAs and Postali services, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist and reach out for a free consultation. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. All right, Eric, we're back. And you were just telling us how impactful using video in your marketing, especially recently, has been. And I think for a lot of people, it intimidates them. Because the idea of being in front of the camera and having to hit record and they think, oh, I'm going to have to do this 50 times and I'm still going to hate it and sound horrible. What advice do you have for us that are scared to to hit record? I would say that authenticity of not being perfect, I think, is more valuable than being perfect. Perhaps it depends on your market. I'm not doing white-collar criminal defense and charging $800 an hour. Maybe if I was... I would feel differently about it, but the authenticity is tremendously valuable. And it's certainly not expensive anymore to set up a decent video recording using a phone that doesn't even have to be a brand new phone, using a phone that's within a few years old. And it doesn't cost, in the scheme of things, to actually build a little video studio or get some professional equipment is, I think, probably worth it. But all of that said is like, you have to not be afraid to be on camera, to make mistakes. Paying for someone to edit the videos makes that a lot easier too. The worst case scenario, if you shoot a video and you don't like it or you say something wrong, 
you can just reshoot it. That was four minutes of time that I lost, but I gained the experience and the second video is going to be even better. But once you start doing it, that, that rarely happens. One of my coaches kind of talked about Jerry Seinfeld, don't break the chain. He used to keep a wall calendar and his thing was every day to write a joke. If he wrote a joke that day, he would make a big X on the calendar and eventually it would look like a chain where all the X's were connecting. With video, he did a 100-day challenge for us. Every day for 100 days, we just had to shoot ourselves doing something. It could just be a quick 30-second video that we then popped onto social media. And it sounds terrifying, but then you kind of get used to it. All right, I guess I'm going to talk to this camera again for 30 seconds today. And you kind of get over it. Maybe even if you are hearing this and maybe you don't even post it, but you just do it. Do it every day and you'll start to feel a lot more comfortable. You can do it and not post it, like you said, just to practice and get comfortable. You can edit them so that you're barely even on the screen. If you have other materials or graphics or things you're trying to show people, you can record Loom videos, or I'm sure there's other comparable services. And yeah, there's just tons of opportunity out there. And I found the most effective way for your time and your money to connect, to build that relationship. I want to dive into a few of your specifics. I think you actually did set up a recording studio in your office. You just went ahead and bought some equipment and have a little setup now. I just did that during the pandemic. And before that, during the pandemic, I was shooting in various places in my house where I was trying to find a quiet spot apart from kids and dogs. And those were recorded on my iPhone. I bought a little tripod for my iPhone, a tripod attachment. Before that, I did a variety. I would sometimes go to a studio and record some, which yes, cost money, but I would knock out dozens of videos in one day and then I would just release them over time. So there's a variety of ways to do it. And then what are you talking about? What's going on these videos? Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly sticking to trademark advice. It's another thing I think in creating your brand and your marketing is showing your expertise and not being afraid to provide content and provide information. Not everybody agrees with that. Some people think that somebody's not paying me for it. Why should I be giving them information? But I found in my line of work, especially the more information I give, the more it shows that, number one, I'm an expert and have the experience, and number two, how hard it would be if you didn't have the knowledge and the experience and tried to do it on your own. And it it serves the purpose just fine. And I mean, we talk about this in the book. It's really what helps you establish yourself as an authority, which is what you want. You want potential clients to think of you as the expert and what better way to showcase all the knowledge that you have in your head than by giving them information. And I know at first you said you're giving advice, but I would suspect it, you're really giving information because you're not giving them specific legal advice around their situation. Of course, general advice, like the value of having a style guide or what you need to do if you update your logo, generally. Right. Yes. Or like maybe why you even need to protect your brand in the first place. Like when do you need a trademark or copyright or any of those things that you know about that I don't. Of, That's why of I call course. you. And then you can use the videos also to explain more complicated things that come up all the time to actual clients or to prospective clients and drop them into emails. And that's something that I've tried to get better at doing and actually giving people a variety of formats to digest the information. So now when I do a follow-up after an initial call with a potential client, 
I send them an email and the template of that email actually has uh, more information about the trademark registration process, the web version, the podcast version, and the video version. So they can, and they're all slightly different. They could certainly consume all three, but they also can have a preference if they want to pick whichever format they want. You're using this content in a variety of ways. You're, I would imagine you're putting on your site. Is it getting pushed out on social? Absolutely. One of the things that I transitioned to over pandemic is I have a podcast called Tricks of the Trademark, where there's lots of branding and trademark advice. As long as I'm recording the podcast, I just recorded the video at the same time while I was speaking, much like we're speaking now, but not recording the video. And then I would just I would drop it as a podcast, drop it as a video, and then I actually uh, have a transcript made and drop it as a blog post. And for people, just to go back to the last item, for people who think they might be struggling to think of content or how to get things out on video, there are lots of articles, blog posts you can read. And even though I'm talking about trademarks and branding, I tell stories about something I encountered or something from a client that where I'm not impacting privilege at all, of course, to tell a story or you change, you change some of the facts. Right. And that helps draw people in. Or I like to try to create graphics or visuals that I'm going to be able to build more content around. And then I use those as the focus of a video or a podcast and it all kind of ties together. I love that. I mean, stories, obviously we can't disclose privilege or facts or really get close, but you can use those examples. It really helps clients and potential clients understand what the hell we're talking about. Let's be honest. I try to tell lawyers all the time, stop using lawyer language because I, I bet you encounter this too. My husband will come home all the time with some idea and he's, hey, what's that trademark attorney's name? But I don't know what he has as a trademark. Like, I don't even know if what he just knows legal terms. He shouts them out. And I imagine that you get that all the time, too, where people are like, well, I think this is a thing and I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Just giving them that context and those stories can help them connect. Oh, this is my problem. And this is how this lawyer can actually help me solve it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yes. I think in full disclosure, I've also given my husband your name because I don't know how to answer his wackadoo ideas. He always comes home with something and he thinks it's the next million dollar idea. And maybe one day it will be. So I need keep encouraging it. See, and you're always telling stories about him. Thank, thank goodness for, you know, podcast content. <laughs> I know. One day, if he ever listens to this show, he might be like, why do you talk about me so much? But I have it on good authority. He's not listening right now. So we're all right. All right. Here's a question for you. If you're willing to think about it this way, what was a mistake or something you messed up along the way? You had to learn the hard way that looking back now, you're like, oh, I wish I'd approached it differently. Maybe some advice for our listeners. Probably the two things that have stood out over the span of building my practice that have been the biggest pain points are HR and finance or accounting. And even though I knew for a long time that I would be better served by having professional advice helping with bookkeeping and professional advice helping with HR services, I resisted in part because I foolishly think that I'm smart enough to figure out other things, which I might be, but it's still not the best use of my time. That's the key thing. It's not whether or not you're smart. It's whether or not this is a good use of your time. And 
finally coming to that realization. Now I have a bookkeeper. Now, as of recently, I have an HR management company. And number one, it's wonderful to have sounding boards on those things and to not have to do it all yourself and to be doing it better. I mean, because I, I wasn't doing it all as effectively as I could be. Part of that process was learning to pay myself regularly. Yes, that's as a founder and owner, oftentimes we forget or we think that in the end it's the money's in one of the accounts, so it doesn't really matter. But I've come to see the wisdom that it wasn't truly acknowledging the value of my time and what it would take to replace some or all of that in different ways. I'm pleased to be um, paying myself regularly. <laughs> yes, I am. Pl- that makes my heart happy too. And you were sharing this with me before we hit record. I mean, when you started doing that, did it feel different or, or what changed for you, even though it was just a, a slight shift in, in how you were taking that money out? Well, number one, it was nice to feel different to just have it be done and automated and not have to think about Hey, do I need more money in my personal account for that vacation that's coming up? Shoot, I got to now backdate how much time do I need to transfer the money or what? And then think about, well, how much should I transfer? And just winging it. So yeah, it's nice to just have that. And then the bookkeeper and the accountant can tell me, okay, you paid yourself, but now you have this much in an extra left, hopefully. And here's what you could do with it. So yeah, it felt good. Awesome. Well, I know this has been so helpful. Your branding is amazing and you always are so giving in our lab community for our workshops or in person at LabCon, which we didn't have time to talk about, but I'm sure we'll be shouting about that on the podcast a lot because I'm so excited that we're going to do it again in person. Thank you so much for coming and sharing all your wisdom. And I will make sure that we put good links to your website on the show notes because if you're listening to this, take a minute and go visit Eric's site because immediately you'll see what I'm talking about with the visuals. It will stand out to you and and you'll remember it, quite frankly, or just Google his name, um, Eric Pelton Law, and see what those images are that come up. I think that would be equally as impressive. I'm going to go do that now. Thanks. It's Eric with a K. I, I don't think there's another Eric Pelton with a C who is a lawyer, so it's not a problem, but yeah, always a pleasure. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. 